Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. And you can listen online each and every week at wdiy.org and podcast available there as well under public affairs and on most streaming services. Today is January 10th, 2024. The markets were up today with the Dow closing at 37,695, the NASDAQ at 14,969, and the S&P at 4,783. Tonight, we're talking about cash flow planning. We are live tonight. We'll take your questions. Cindy's in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information. We ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic and I'll do my best to answer them. The number is 610-758-8810. And you can talk live on air with me, or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy. She'll write it down and bring it in to me. If you um, don't want to do it on air, don't want to call in, you can also send questions through the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. So again, tonight we're talking about managing cash flow during working years and through retirement years. Um... I want to just kind of give an overview of a little bit, and then I want to kind of give a story to demonstrate what I'm talking about and the power of paying attention to your cash flow management. So I I will probably do that after this first after the first break, but just to set the table tonight, cash flow planning is how you meet your spending needs with sources of income. And that can be from fixed sources, it can be from investment income, it could be from your assets. And I want to hopefully give you an idea of explaining the differences in those kinds of resources, because that's where the planning comes in. Um, And it can make a real difference with um, when putting a little thought behind it uh, in reaching your goals, basically. So let me talk about just maybe some quick ways to talk about cash flow. Sometimes I don't like using the word budget because so many people, you know, seize up when they hear that word or they get stressed out. They don't want to talk about it. They get overwhelmed. So I really prefer to talk about cash flow planning, which is a little bit different than budgeting. But if you have what I'll call a way to kind of manage your cash flow, it certainly will help you in the cash flow planning. So, you know, if for people who really want to get into this and really pay attention to details, there are uh, budgeting apps that you can look at. And again, I'm not going to talk about budgeting too much. I'm just going to do it at the beginning of the show here. And then I want to talk what I talk about what I think is more fun, which is the cash flow planning as we go through the rest of the show. So there was a recent article by Rachel Murphy for Forbes called Best Budgeting Apps of January 2024. So you could always, you know, search for that article, Best Budgeting Apps of January 2024. I'm not going to talk about the whole article. She did highlight several, and then I'm going to mention uh, a couple other ways to do some budgeting. She had talked about uh, one of the apps, You Need a Budget. I've talked about that before. It's YNAB. Uh, She mentioned Pocket Guard. Um, the you need a budget is really for kind of goal planning. Uh, pocket guard, she said, was for tracking spending. So that could be a good way to start maybe. And then, of course, I've talked in the past about mint.com. Some people who really 
more uh, might have more experience with accounting could use something like Quicken. I'm not recommending any of these. I'm just saying as a demonstration of budgeting applications that are out there that one may be able to use, you might be able to do everything in an Excel spreadsheet. You might be able to do everything using envelopes. Some people do an envelope budgeting system. Uh, And some people just know how much money comes into their bank account and they, you know, seem to understand how the flow works. To me, that's kind of one of the easier um, ways to uh, budget, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Rachel Murphy in this article went on to say the pros and cons of using budget apps, and the pros she found were the syncing, that money of the budgeting apps sync multiple accounts so that you can see your overview of your finances in one place. They can do goal setting. The budgeting apps make it easy to set multiple financial goals, such as vacation or down payment on a house, seeing your progress. They're convenient. They're accessible on your phone or a tablet. I see so many people on tablets these days. I was just on an airplane today. You know, half the people were on tablets. Um, And for on-the-go spending and tracking, that makes that pretty easy when you have those devices. Uh, It's automated. Apps give you a more hands-off way to create and manage your budget compared to manually, manually, manual budgeting methods, uh, which would help you save time and energy. Now, that having said that, those pros, that does all still take time in setting those up. You have to set up categories, etc. But supposedly these applications make that easy for you. The cons, um, device limitations, desktop versions of budgeting apps are not always available. And when they are, they might not be as user-friendly as the mobile versions. Some of the applications have fees. Many um, budgeting apps charge a monthly usage or subscription fee. And those that don't may have in-app ads to try to sell you something. So these are just some of the highlights from the article that Rachel Murphy wrote. And she asked, do budgeting apps really work? And here's what's that saying, where the rubber meets the road. Uh, Budgeting apps are a great tool to help ensure you're living um, your budget, not just planning one. They can provide insights into your spending habits, identifying where your money goes and where you can make improvements. And as with any app, whether or not it works depends largely on how you use it. A challenge with budgeting generally, whether managed with an app, a spreadsheet, or more manual means, is committing not only to having a budget, but to make your financial decisions in line with it. Many people find the interactivity and automation provided by a budgeting app to help keep them motivated to stay on top of their personal finances. So regular listeners will know that uh, I have a saying that people who know how much money they're spending are usually the ones who have money. So if you reflect and you say to yourself, I want to have money, I want to have some savings, then dot, 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 you should know how much you're spending because that's the way you can um, manage it and then Make sure that you're not spending more than you're taking in, and that's how you end up saving. So if you're, you know, this is one of your New Year's resolutions, and you're just trying to kind of get a hold of, um, rein in your spending, kind of plug into your financial life and your cash flow, uh, an easy way is something we call the funnel method where you know how much money is coming in each month if you have a regular paycheck. Let's pretend you take in $3,000 net a month. This is a you know more conservative budget. You take in $3,000 a month net. That's after all your taxes, federal, state, local, Social Security, FICA, after your um, contributions to your retirement accounts. You have 3000 net coming in. That would be $36,000 a year, but you have 3000 a month. You have it come into your savings account. And if you think you're spending 3000 a month, then the 3000 comes into the savings. You transfer it to checking. You write your bills. You should be square. You're not saving any money in that circumstance. Well, if you think, I think I could eke out, you know, 50 bucks a month. Well, now you put 3000 into the savings you transfer $2,950. And if you continue to only spend $2,950 a month from your checking account, you would see the balance in your savings account start to accumulate. 50 bucks a month, that would be $600 after one year. 
And what happens and what I find is people find momentum with what these kind of, um, you know, when they, they see money starting to accumulate, they get excited and then it makes them want to save more. So if you're not a saver currently and you think this could work for you, you if you even start with $10 a month and $50 a month then $100 a month, it can really get that snowball rolling for you and motivate you to start saving money. And then once we have that money saved, we're going to talk about some cash flow uh, planning that we can do as we go through our working years and our retirement years. And that's where I'm going to spend uh, the majority of the uh, the rest of the show talking about. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with me. Or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy. She'll write it down and bring it in. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610-694-8100, extension 4, or WDIY.org. We couldn't be here without you. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1, also available on the WDIY app and on many streaming services. Uh, tonight we are talking about cash flow planning, cash flow management. I mentioned uh, for folks who want to get a hold of their money management, they could set up a budget or something we called the funnel method. I've already gone through that. Um, I want to now kind of tell a story if the listeners can hang on with me. Uh, if you're driving and you pull into the driveway, let's just hang on a little bit. This is going to demonstrate why cash flow planning and cash flow managing uh, can make such a difference. So the story starts, had a couple recently retired, um, no pension, have some funds available in a joint account. We'll call that non-qualified money. It's non-retirement of money. Uh, and we're going to say it's their investment account. They have some investment income from those uh, dividends and interest that might pay out. They have Roth IRAs, 401ks, and they are collecting Social Security. And they have a child starting college. So this is a, a fairly young couple having retired. Again, no pension, some money in joint accounts, retirement accounts, Roth 401k and they're collecting social security with a child going to college. Uh, so now they have to manage their cash flow. Um, spouse is on social security for the whole year. Uh, husband starts taking social security toward the end of the year. So it's not a you know full year of social security for both of them. And client says, I need $70,000 for cash flow and I don't want to pay any income tax. Okay, so we need to get $70,000 and the client wants to take the money out of the IRA because the concept was, you know, I save for retirement and now I'm in a low income. I want to take $70,000 out of my retirement account. The thing is, I don't want to pay any income tax. Well, how are you going to get $70,000 out of your investments and, and not pay income tax. So what can we do to help them without any income tax consequence? So his his next thought, and that that's a pretty, you know, restrictive request to have no income tax when, you know, typically when you have income, you're paying income tax. But how much can we manage um, some cash flow needs with this extra little asterisk of don't want to pay any income tax? Well, you have to know some things about income, and uh, and I'm going to go through that a little bit later after I'm done with my story. But Social Security may be tax-free if we don't have any other income on our tax return. So Social Security gets included in taxable income depending on how much other income we have on our return. So if we only have Social Security, none of it's going to get income taxed because there's 
no other income for the return. So it's not, it wouldn't be income taxable for the most part. Okay. So no taxable social security, but they need $70,000. So I got to pull $70,000 from somewhere. And the client's first thought was, um, why don't we just take it out of the Roth IRA? The Roth IRAs are income tax-free. And as long as it's a qualified distribution, it's income tax-free. Let's take it out of there. But you have to remember, what was the point of the Roth IRA? Why did someone set up a Roth? Why did they put money in the Roth? And it was for that income tax-free growth. Because Roth IRAs are funded with after-tax dollars, they're invested for retirement, and they grow income tax-free as long as you follow all the rules. All right? So you kind of want that money for later in life, maybe, when you need to pull some money out in a pickle. This could have been considered that, but, you know, let's think this all the way through. Maybe um, you want to use it for a surviving spouse, because typically if we have, if we're married and one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse now is in a higher tax filing status, a single tax filing status. So a Roth IRA could do some planning for a surviving spouse and a Roth IRA could be an estate planning um, asset where we pass on an income tax-free asset to our heirs. So we really want to let that Roth grow as long as we can. So where else could we um, look at? Remember I said the the client thought the IRA as well, but let's talk about that. If we take it out of the taxable IRA, what happens with that? Well, the clients in my case are like 60 years old. They're not under the required minimum distribution rules, so they don't have to take any money out of their IRA. Um, they've already started Social Security. I don't know if I would have had them start as soon as they they did, but um, they did. Uh, they already filed for Social Security. This These are people who didn't have planning from me originally. Okay, Um, came to me after the fact on some of these things. Uh, So they've already filed for Social Security. So if I pull $70,000 from the IRA, that's income on their return. And remember, I said the more income I put on the return, the more their Social Security is going to be included in taxable income. IRA distributions are taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Social Security's taxed at ordinary income tax rates. If I put $70,000 of IRA income on the return, what would have been tax-free Social Security is now going to be included at 85%. And now I have, you know, the taxable Social Security plus the $70,000 IRA. Um, after the standard deduction, there's still taxable income and it's all at ordinary income tax rates. Do we have another option? Let's let's think about this is part of the planning. This is the fun part. I don't want people to be afraid of planning. This is the fun part. What else could we look at? I mentioned they have a joint account, a brokerage account, investment account. They have highly appreciated securities with over concentrations in individual equities. Now, these are the client's babies. I mean, he's had these investments for a while, loves them, doesn't want to get rid of them. They've, they've done really well for him. But what is the concept of investing? Don't we talk about um, buying low and selling high? Uh, I mean, that is the concept. You, 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 we talk about rebalancing. We talk about diversification. So in this circumstance, we have an over-concentration, and it's a highly appreciated security. So there could be an opportunity to trim some of that holding, take some of those gains, and raise that 70000 Remember, we wanted to raise $70,000 for this person for cash flow, and he doesn't want to incur any income tax. So if we're taking $70,000 out of that over-concentrated, highly appreciated position, this is over a year, it's, it's held over a year, the gains on it, what's going to be included in taxable income, in this case, I'm making some of these numbers up, might be 55000 So we're taking 70000 out. We're raising $70,000, but only $55,000 of gains end up being included on the tax return. But when I add that $55,000, we're still adding money to the return that will cause some of that Social Security benefit to still be included in taxable income. 
So now I have $55,000 of taxable capital gains, and I have some ordinary income that's going to get taxed at ordinary income tax rates on Social Security. So I'm not done with my story yet, folks, and I am coming up on my second break. So there's a lot more power and punch yet to uncover in this story. And this is simply to demonstrate what cash flow planning and cash management can do for you in achieving your goals. And it's about kind of finding those opportunities here and there. The story is simply to demonstrate what you can think about. And then when I'm done with that, we're going to talk about understanding sources of income and um, and what would be available for you to plan for cash management. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. And when we come back, I'll finish the story. We'll be back in just a minute. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Did you know your phone is a radio? You can tune in to WDIY anywhere on the go with WDIY's phone app. Download for free from the Apple or Google store and your phone will become your trusted radio. The easy-to-use app lets you listen to WDIY on your phone live and access your favorite music shows on demand. Download and share the WDIY app with your friends and family and introduce them to many choices, real voices. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. Cindy is standing by and can take your question. We can talk live on air. If you're not comfortable talking live, just give it to her and I'm sure write it down and bring it in to me. So to continue our story to demonstrate the power of cash flow planning, someone needed 70000 They thought, oh, take it out of the IRA, take it out of the Roth IRA. Two very, very different um you know, strategies here. And I really didn't like either of those. What else can we do? Look at the highly concentrated positions. We can um, trim some of those off, take some of those gains. I mentioned now we have some taxable social security because we added income to the tax return. But here's a little note. You heard me say ordinary income. Social Security is going to get taxed at ordinary income tax rates, but capital gains, long-term capital gains, and qualified dividends, they have special tax rates called capital gains tax rates. To the extent we're in a 12% tax bracket, the capital gains get taxed at zero. So you got to remember, we've got page one income, some of the Social Security is taxable. Now we have $55,000 of capital gains, less a standard deduction. And now we have taxable income. And that taxable income, if we're married filing joint, and I'm just going to round numbers, let's say the 12% tax bracket cuts off at about uh, $89,000. If that income is below $89,000, I'm in the 12% tax bracket. The capital gains tax rate for long-term held assets or qualified dividends in the 12% tax bracket is zero. Zero. So the client's directive was no tax. Well, we're going to get zero on those capital gains. So that's a pretty good deal. Now, we still have some other income. So the ordinary income, that taxable Social Security, even after the standard deduction, we still have some income on the return, taxable income. And the client, one of his directives, and we can't always do this, right? But was, I don't want to pay any tax. Did you listen to part of the story when I said the child was starting college? There is something called the American Opportunity Tax Credit. There's a potential $2,500 tax credit. Part of it's refundable and part of it is a tax credit, meaning you have to have tax in order to get the credit. So if we have some taxable income, or if we didn't have any taxable income, we would completely waste that tax credit except for the refundable piece. So it doesn't hurt to have a little tax. So in my little story here, this was the perfect number with the capital gains to get a little bit of the social security taxed. So now we have 
a little bit of taxable income, and we have an opportunity to take an American Opportunity Tax Credit. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. We have right now a caller on the air. We have Dan from Mertztown. Dan, can you hear me? Um, I can hear you. There can we you go. Hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. What's your qu- <laughs> okay. Very good. I'm glad we got that worked out. How can I help you? Well, my, my question is very similar to the, or the, the scenario now you're relating about this this, you know, the, mm-hmm. the family, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had a, a steady income. I stocked a lot of money away with dollar cost averaging and a match from my employer. And then I retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I retired at 70. So I had the full social security, which I know you approve of. Yep. <laughs> but at, at, at this point, I still have, uh, I'm, let's call it two years. It might be even three at this point before I get RMDs when I have really no choice the money's going to come back from my retirement accounts and it's taxable. Right. But it's a whole different mindset. And, you know, I, I'm finding out kind of the hard way. I'm looking at my accounts, how, you know, how beyond social security I, I can generate money, mm-hmm. you know, i.e. that, you know, and so that, you know, if you talk more and you may be covering it more in this, um, mm-hmm. uh, this scenario, yep. and I'm going to listen to that, but you know, that, that was a big change in my mindset which I'm still undergoing. Mm-hmm. And if you could talk about that, I think it would be helpful for people who are now into this, you know, and people will be at different levels of income, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I so will, I, I will, Dan. And, and it's great that you point that out because you said, you know, that you had a steady income before, then you retire. Now you do have social security, which it gives you some cash flow, but probably not what the same level of cash flow you had when you were working. So now it's kind of like, how are you going to make up the difference and how are you going to get that paycheck? So if you don't mind, I will continue to talk about that and I'll, and I'll mention um, some ideas and particularly some ideas for you between age 70 and required minimum distribution age, if it, if it would be applicable. So um, That'd be great. I'm, okay. Thank you for calling, and I'll um, keep listening, and I will refer to some of that. So thank you. Right. Thank you for your show. It's a great show. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a good night. We also have Alan uh, from Easton on the air. Alan, can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can, Lori. Hi, Alan. How can I help you? Uh, I have a question, and you just mentioned these words, uh, retirement. Um, Distribution. Minimum. Yep. I uh, I just turned age seventy two, mm-hmm. December, and my impression was that I didn't have to uh, withdraw any money from my. Uh, I have a uh, thrift savings plan. Mm-hmm. My, my impression I didn't have to withdraw anything from that until after I was age seventy three. Mm-hmm. But I just got a letter from Thrift Saving Plan, and they tell me that uh, I have a 2024 required minimum distribution. Right, because you turned 72 in December of 2023. So when you turn 73, you have a required minimum distribution for the year you turn 73. You don't have to wait until you turn 73. You can take it any time in the year you turn 73. Uh, okay, so it's not the April after I turn age 73. It's, I, I need to do something this year. To, well, it's an uh, option, Alan, to take... Um, that, that is still an option to take it April 1st. That's, that's like the latest you could do it, April 1st of the year following the year you turn 73. The problem is if you wait until April 1st, it would be 2025 and you'd be taking your 2024 distribution and you would have to take your 2025 distribution. So for people who wait until April 1st of the year following, they have a double RMD that year. Okay. So So generally you want to kind of watch to take it, you know, at at age 73. Okay. I I, I see that, uh, that situation now. Now I figure out if I'm going to take it, how much I want to take. Well, there's a required amount. So there's a minimum amount you have to take. It's based on the December 31st, 2023 balance and your um, age, 73. So the life expectancy factor is provided by the IRS. Right. right. I see that on my letter here. Yeah. 26 and a half years, uh, God willing. Yeah. I can imagine. 
Um, and it tells me I, a certain amount of 3000 plus. Yeah. Um, I, I need to take at least that amount, but I can take you, any amount. You can want, take right? more. So yep. There's a minimum amount you have to take, but you can always take more. Just remember okay. that looking at your tax return, there's a circular calculation on the taxability of Social Security. So if you take more, just see if that is impacted by that. But you know, ask your accountant to throw it into your tax return. But Alan, thank you for calling in. I have to go to a break now. Um, but uh, did I cover your question? Uh, yes, you did. I'll have to think now about the taxability here. I don't need this much, but uh, I guess I have to get a hold of it or I'll lose it. So, All right, Lori. Okay. Listen on, and we'll talk more about that. Thank you, Alan. Have a good night. Folks, if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810, and we'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back, folks. We're talking about cash flow planning tonight. The phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with me or off air, whatever you're more comfortable doing. Got some great questions from Dan and Alan, and I hope to kind of circle back to those and fill in the blanks a little bit on on some planning opportunities there. Let me finish this story where I um, where someone said, hey, I need $70,000 uh, for my cash flow. I'm retired now, got Social Security, need more money, wanted to take it um, first, you know, out of the IRA. I said that could have some significant income tax consequences and taxation on the Social Security. Um, the Roth IRA was no income tax. Client says, I don't want to pay any income tax. So, oh, that sounds like a good deal. And I said, let's think about some other ways. We looked at um, over-concentrated positions of highly, you know, appreciated securities and found that if we pulled $70,000 from one of those investments, $55,000 of gains, it's not a full dollar for dollar tax hit on the return. Because if you were to take $70,000 out of the IRA, the $70,000 is all includable on the tax return. Whereas when we're taking some of the um, 70000 out of the investment account, I can kind of pick and choose and actually look at tax lots to see where I can kind of uh, get the kind of gain that I want to reflect on the tax return. In my story, I actually wanted to play the 12% tax bracket. That's why I picked $70,000 of particular position lots with $55,000 gain because I actually wanted a lot of gain on the tax return to fill up the 12% bracket. Um, along with the taxable Social Security. So I'm playing the 12% bracket, getting the capital gains at zero because the long-term capital gains are taxed at zero in the 12% tax bracket. Still had a little taxable income from the Social Security, have a little bit of tax, and I want a little bit of tax because in this scenario, the ch- the oldest child or the only child was going to college. If we have the client pay $4,000 out of pocket for tuition, we they have 529 money for the rest of it. Um, we were actually going to get a $2,500 education credit of which some is only a tax credit, meaning I only going to get 1500 of it if I have income tax. So guess what? I want at least $1,500 of income tax on that return because now I have $4,000 tuition payment, getting an education credit, wipes out the $1,500 tax, and then we get a $1,000 refundable tax credit. Guess what? Person not only didn't pay tax, they got a $1,000 refund. Can't always do this, but it did work in this case. It was quite fun. So you you that that's some cash flow management, folks. And we pinned to it. This is where I talk about the elements of your financial life and how one uh, you, you do something in one area of your financial life and it impacts another area. We we looked at over concentration investments. We manage the income tax. We manage the cash flow. We manage education planning. I mean, it it was just a lot of great stuff right there. Um, that's that's fun. So that's kind of the story and why it's important to manage cash flow. So bottom line, a little planning, your cash flow management can make a big difference in reaching your goals. Um, And of course, you want to manage debt. I've talked about that in prior shows. And I'm assuming at this point, we're not having debt other than that good kind of debt that I talked about before um, last week with 
uh, mortgages and or education, you know, being careful about what you do. Here's the part about the cash flow management in your working years and your retirement years. You have to understand that your income sources have different consequences. So when you get wages when you're working, it's ordinary income. Interest on bank accounts, ordinary income. Pensions, if you're eligible for one when you retire, ordinary income. Business income, ordinary income, subject to self-employment taxes. Rental income, losses may be suspended, they're passive, there's issues with rental, maybe, you know, if you have rental losses. Annuity income, ordinary income. IRA withdrawals, ordinary income. Ordinary income doesn't have any favorable tax rates. It's just how the income lands after your deductions and what tax bracket and what filing status you are. Then there's capital gain income. So I'm I'm getting to a point, folks, when we're talking about managing cash flow. Hopefully I'll get back to to Dan and, and even Alan here on some of these to fill in some blanks. Now we have, what other kind of income do we have? I already talked about capital gain income. I got $55,000 of capital gains. That was the long-term capital gain part of the investment at zero tax in my story. So they pulled $70,000. I could have had them pull $70,000 and have $10,000 of gains, but I wanted more gains on that particular uh, scenario. I wanted to use up my 12% bracket, factoring in the other ordinary income. Capital gain income, qualified dividends from your investments. That's investments in your investment accounts or your brokerage accounts, your joint accounts. It doesn't matter if you have it in your uh, IRA. Don't go looking for qualified dividends in your IRA. It doesn't matter if you have them because when you pull money out of your IRA, it's all income taxable at ordinary rates. I have people brag about their, you know, their capital gains and their qualified dividends in their IRAs. I say it doesn't matter. That's all taxed at ordinary income. I want to see capital gains and 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 qualified dividends in your non-retirement accounts because those I can get a favorable tax rate on, all right? So that's the capital gain income that I'm really interested in. So qualified dividends, long-term appreciated securities in what we call non-qualified accounts or rather non-retirement accounts. So you kind of want to understand the kind of income sources you have when you go either while you're working or when you're retired. What are my resources. What other kind of income can we have? I talked about ordinary income. I talked about capital gain income. We have other income. We have social security. We have annuity income. Um, The investments come out the investment income comes out first, typically. We have certain retirement accounts that might have other kinds of income. After-tax dollars sometimes are in the retirement account. We have something called net unrealized appreciation that some people might have in 401k accounts. So this is where when we we talk to people like Dan and Alan and they're talking about managing cash flow in retirement, sometimes you can manage some of these things before you retire to help you in retirement. So you want to be proactive versus reactive when we talk about managing the cash flow once someone retires. Um, Because in 401ks, 403bs, you might have something called after-tax dollars, particularly for people who were putting money in retirement accounts, I would say pre-1986. But I still have some people who are putting money after-tax dollars in retirement accounts because they're so flush with cash. They've maxed their 401ks. They're not eligible for Roth IRAs. They have enough investment income. They want to defer tax on more investment income, and they're employer plan may provide for them to put money after tax. So after tax dollars then could come out um, and roll over to a Roth under current legislation when we retire. So that could be a source for retirement. NUA is net unrealized appreciation for people who have employer stock. We have two big companies in the Lehigh Valley, um, Pennsylvania, with uh, that have employer stock in their 401ks. And before you retire, before you roll over any money to an IRA, before anybody talks you into rolling any money over into an IRA, um, figure out if you have employer stock in your 401k plan because there are special, special uh, tax rules that apply to employer stock in a 401k. Uh, Could be called ESOP portion, employer stock ownership plan. Uh, There are special tax rules and you could get the employer stock out um, and, and pay tax on the cost basis 
of of that stock and put it into an individual, you know, investment account. It's a great way to get maybe a chunk of money out of your 401k where it would have more tax favored rates because any appreciation between the cost basis and the fair market value when you take it out is uh, net unrealized appreciation. And if you sell it the next day, it's all long-term capital gains. Anybody remember what I said about long-term capital gains? Favorable tax rates. So, those that I'm hitting on that very, very quickly, but that helps with some of the cash flow in retirement. It, it opens up maybe another bucket of kind of money for you. Let's go back to um, like Dan's story. So Dan retired. Uh, he did a great job saving. He took his social security at age 70. Uh, the IRS keeps raise, raising the age for required minimum distribution. Uh, for a lot of people, it's age 73. I think if you're not going to be 74 until, if you reach age 74 before no, after 2033, I think the, the age is 75. So they're raising the required minimum distribution age uh, for people who are a little bit younger. But if you're three years away from required minimum distribution, if someone's 70 now, uh, let's say in 2023, 70, then you're going to be 71 in 24, 70, um, what did I say? 70, gosh, I should have written this down, Dan. Um once you reach age 73, you have the required minimum distribution. But do we have to wait? No. And here's where some of that cash flow management comes as well. Look at your tax brackets. If you're in a 20, you know, a 22% tax bracket, and when you start your required minimum distribution at age 73, you may end up in a 24% bracket or your required minimum distribution might be so big plus with the social security, you could end up in a 32% tax bracket. So if the concept is we can pay lower taxes today than in the future, you might not want to wait until required minimum distribution to take money out of the retirement account. You might be able to take it out now. Now, if your tax return allows you to do that, meaning you have wiggle room in your maybe 22% bracket, what I always tell people to be careful of is if you currently have Social Security that's not getting taxed, the, the maximum taxable Social Security is 85%. If you have it where it's not getting taxed, as soon as you start throwing more money on your tax return, now we got a circular calculation and more of your Social Security could be taxed. So it could look like you're in a 12% bracket, but if you put $10,000 of IRA money on your return, now your income goes up 18000 it's like, what? What happened? Well, maybe more of your Social Security was taxed. So I'm, I'm, there's a caution here. This is educational purposes. There's a caution here. You got to be careful of that. But let's say you're already at 85% taxable Social Security and you don't need the money. Well, you could take a distribution and use it for cash flow, special trip, making gifts, whatever. Or you could say, if I don't need the money, instead of taking the money out and putting it in my bank account, I could do a conversion. There's no income limitation on doing conversions anymore. A lot of people think, oh, I make too much money. I can't do a conversion. If you don't need the money and you think you might be in a higher tax bracket in the future, you could take $10,000 from your IRA and put it into a Roth. It means you're going to pay tax on the $10,000 today. But now you've got some money in a tax-free vehicle, the Roth, and you might have paid lower taxes today on that IRA distribution than you would in the future. Now, maybe you could only, maybe you could do 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. I've done some conversions of 10 and I've done some conversions for 40. Um, you convert enough, maybe stay in a low tax bracket. And now you've got money set aside in a Roth account that's income tax-free growing. You get that invested, get it growing. And that could be like a backup account for you to manage some of your cash flow and um, it would be the growth would be income tax-free now there's special rules on conversions you can't pull it out for five years your original contributions can always come out income tax-free but your um, any earnings on it have to be at least five years on on conversions so um, I want to talk more a little bit more about some cash planning and some ideas for these RMDs so Dan and Alan if you could 
hopefully still be listening. And I'm going to give you some ideas about the required minimum distributions and, and planning for those, an opportunity that may or may not be available to you. We are uh, at the last break, folks. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can also send questions through yourfinancialchoices.com. I'm, I'm surprised that more people don't. Um, I don't bother you afterwards. I don't hound you down. I don't keep that information. I just answer the question and say thank you for listening. Uh, That's through yourfinancialchoices.com. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. American folk music offers a variegated pattern of performers and styles. I'm Tom Druckenmiller, your host for In the Tradition. Together we'll trace the roots and branches of American folk music from the earliest recordings and performers through today's talented players. In the Tradition, Wednesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. We're talking about cash flow management during your working years and your uh, retirement years. And tonight, uh, I basically have kind of tried to demonstrate what cash flow management or planning might entail and why it could be very exciting and and helpful and, you know, tweak this, tweak that, and it can make such a difference in reaching your goals. Um, But also talking about managing in retirement years, uh, kind of highlighting an understanding of what, when we're managing cash flow, understanding what the resources we have are, where they're coming from, how they're income taxed, how we can plan around that, and why I have to always talk about understanding how your cash resources are taxed, why this is so important is because if you're going to pay 22% tax on that cash resource, it, it, you don't really get all that money. So if I'm, if I I'm getting $30,000 of wages. And well, that's not a good example. If I'm making $100,000 of wages, um, the tax brackets, of course, are tiered. So you obviously get a standard deduction. You get 10%, 12%, 22%. So maybe an effective tax rate of 18% on my money. If I'm getting $100,000, I have federal tax, state tax, local tax, social security, and FICA. You do have to understand that you're, you're not actually making $100,000. You, you need to understand how income is getting taxed and 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 what deductions we get on um, our returns as well. So when our working years, some of the cash flow management might be if at work you have a high deductible health plan and you would be eligible for something called the health savings account, a great cash flow management tool would be to fund the health savings account. You get a just a tremendous tax savings on funding health savings accounts. You don't pay federal, state, local tax, FICA tax, Medicare tax. It's just incredible. So lots of savings on funding health savings accounts. So when you're working, look for those ways to um, save for future health care while saving income tax, while setting aside money for those kinds of emergencies, what might be healthcare emergencies. When we're working, we want to get that paycheck for when we retire, sorry, not working. When we're retired, we want to set up that paycheck. Now, hopefully you've saved some money um, before you retire for emergency reserves. And then um, try to develop a um, what I call is different um Asset resources, meaning maybe you have some Roth money, maybe you have some 401k or IRA money, maybe you have some money in a brokerage account. Not all of us can do that. Some of us plow so much money into our retirement accounts, we don't have any other savings. Then when we retire, the only resources we have are the Social Security and money in IRAs, which would come out all income taxable. So if you have the luxury while you're working to put money into retirement accounts, you might also look to see maybe 401k, maybe some in the Roth IRA, and maybe make sure that you're doing emergency reserves and saving some, you know, in, a, in an individual account. 
give yourself different buckets to pull from. But if you've had it all in retirement accounts, now we retire, we're eligible for Social Security. What happens if you think you can live on the Social Security? A lot of times by this point, people might have paid off their mortgages. They don't really have debt. They, you know, buy that car and they're going to run it to the ground. So there might not be huge cash flow needs like we had when, you know, we were buying a house or buying a new car or raising children or putting them through college. So now we might not have the same cash flow need. Uh, Social Security might be enough to live on. As I mentioned, Social Security, if we don't have any other income on our tax return, it's tax it's not taxable. Um, but when we start putting other money on our return, because we have to, because we have required minimum distributions, now we have a circular calculation. You might not realize all those years the Social Security wasn't taxable. Now it's taxable. So you want to be ready for that because you're also going to have to plan as part of the cash flow needs in retirement is do I have to pay income tax, um, federal, maybe state, um, and you know only those of us in Pennsylvania mostly have the local tax on earnings, but not on retirement monies. So how are we going to meet our cash flow needs? If you have to take money out of your retirement accounts, that is what it is. I mean, you just have to, and of course you can't, don't want to ever take it out early. Um, I'm assuming you're not taking money out early. If you don't otherwise need the money, you could convert it to a Roth, or if you know you might need it in a couple years, you could go ahead and take a distribution, maybe put it in, you know, a high yield money market or a, you know, conservative investment and make a little money until you need it, you know, kind of peel a little bit out of the IRA each year to kind of help, help meet the, the gap in your retirement needs. Um, especially if you're before required minimum distribution age. But maybe you don't need the money and maybe your social security isn't taxable at all. So do I really want to tax it? If my story in my my little clip earlier, I said if I have tax-free social security and I'm not paying any income tax, if I put $10,000 on my tax return, I still might not have any income tax. Well, then I might put $10,000 of you know, um, IRA distribution and either put it in my bank account or convert it. Okay. But if I put $20,000 of IRA distribution on my tax return and now most of my social security might be taxable, well, that's a very different consequence. So maybe I wouldn't want to put any extra money on my tax return and just forego any distributions from my IRA before I have to, all right? So now let's say I'm gonna wait till 73 because once I take my RMD, now my social security might be 85% taxable anyway. Well, now what I'm gonna look at is, okay, now I have my RMD, 85% of my social security is taxable. I have a standard deduction. What's my taxable income now? And what tax bracket am I in? Well, maybe now I wanna play my tax bracket. My Social Security is already 85% included. So maybe now I want to take a little bit more out of my IRA to, to get it at, you know, play the 22% bracket or pay the play the 24% tax bracket. Okay, so you, you, you want to look at your tax brackets. You want to look at your income. You want to see what kind of income you have, what sources of income. Now, here's the little other asterisk for anybody who is required minimum distribution age or age 70 and a half or older. For people who are charitably inclined, if you're giving to the church, if you're giving to the United Way, if you're giving to some of your you know, alma maters, your favorite charities, or you're charitably inclined and you can afford to be charitably inclined, I remind people, you wanna make sure that you have the means for yourself while you're living. You can always do charitable giving when you die. But if you have adequate means and you're going to give to charity no matter what, once you reach age 70, and a half. If you have an IRA, you can do it out of your IRA and not pay income tax on it. Now, I think Alan mentioned he had a thrift savings account. Now, that wouldn't apply to that. You can't do a QCD, a qualified charitable distribution from a thrift savings plan that I'm aware of. Um, it applies to IRAs. 
not 401ks. So if you want to do a qualified charitable distribution and you don't have an IRA, you could always open an IRA, roll over some of your 401k. You don't have to roll it all over if you don't want to, if you're tied to it. You could roll it over to an IRA and then make your QCD out of the IRA. And that's up to $100,000 and it's set to uh, move up with inflation. So, you know, I had a client who was giving $10,000 a year to her church out of her bank account and she wasn't itemizing deductions. She didn't have enough to itemize and we weren't really getting a benefit. And I said, do the $10,000 out of your IRA and it's completely income tax free. It takes $10,000 off of her taxable income, save $2,200 of tax and, you know, she would have given 10000 one way or the other to the church. And it counts as part of your required minimum distribution. So for uh, Dan and Alan, who are not age 73, if you are charitably inclined and you have an IRA as a resource, if, for example, Dan, you're only 70, if you are someone who's charitably inclined, one say, thing I say is maybe don't do some charitable giving over the next couple years and bunch it all in the year you turn 73 when you have to do a required minimum distribution. So that's another way to save income tax. Um, and it helps with cash flow planning because instead of writing a check out of your bank account and not getting any tax deduction on it, when you do it out of your IRA, it is income tax free. So you want to keep track of um, those qualified charitable distributions. And I'm not talking about $25 distributions. Nobody wants to administratively handle that. $500, a thousand. You know, I tell people, if you're someone who thinks you have to give an envelope every week at church, just tell the church, no, I'm going to do once and done, be done with it and get over the guilt of, you know, not putting an envelope in. Or I said, just put an empty envelope in each week. Who cares if you feel that pressure? So that could could help. So so Dan, yeah, you could take some money out before. Just make sure you understand the circular calculation of inclusion of Social Security. Um, and then as far as the paycheck, you may be able to um, say, what's my shortfall? What do I need? And maybe you need to take money out of your IRA anyway. It's it, don't you know, don't suffer if you have the means and you have the assets available and you could set it up to have like a monthly distribution and you can have the withholdings, the tax, if there's tax involved, you can have the tax withholdings taken out of the uh, required minimum distribution uh, automatically and you can do it monthly, you could do it quarterly, you could do it randomly. I have one client, we do we do partial distribution in January. She does QCDs during the year. And then in December, we reconcile what's left, what has to be, you know, what's the balance that still hasn't been done as QCDs. And then we push that out. So lots of opportunities there. So get yourself a paycheck. One thing that you can do is set up like a cash flow management program where you say, here are my resources and you put them in boxes. Okay, I have Social Security, I have pension, I have dividend income. Oh, that's another cash flow planning idea, folks. If you've had investments and over your working years, you always had plenty of cash flow. So you just reinvested the dividends all the time. Good, you know, it's kind of like dollar cost averaging that um, uh, Dan had mentioned earlier. Uh, you can... Instead, now turn that reinvestment off and have it pay out to you. So that's another way because you're paying tax on that income, whether you invest it or take it out. So that's another way to kind of just have that cash flow come to you and that could help your um, cash flow buckets. So do a cash flow management spreadsheet. Just take a piece of paper, get yourself a cup of coffee, sit down at the kitchen table, say, okay, I got Social Security coming in. That's one resource. I maybe have IRA distribution, RMD coming in, required minimum distribution. I have interest in dividends. How much does that add up to? Where is it going? Is it going into my bank account? Is it going into my investment account? What are my expenses? How much do I need? And is there a shortfall or not? If there's a shortfall, how am I going to make it up? Where am I pulling it from? Do I pull it from IRA sources? Do I pull it from my investments? Um, do I get a part-time job? You know, some people get part-time jobs and work into their 70s, and that's fine too. Um, that will impact your taxable Social Security, uh, but all worth 
reviewing and understanding. Um, let me see with my few seconds left. Um, make sure you're funding 401ks, your emergency reserves. When you have opportunities to fund Roth IRAs or do conversions, that's always a great resource, multiple resource for yourself. Funding 529 education accounts really helps with um, managing taxes and investments as well. Uh, thank you for the callers tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cindy, for being here. Thank you, Shandi, for being here. Um, thank you, callers, uh, Dan and Alan. If you have questions, you can always send this to the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. Next week, I'm going to talk about retirement account options, and we'll talk in more detail about those things I mentioned, like NUA, Roth IRAs, IRAs, RMDs, 401ks. Coming up next, we have Tom Druckenmiller with In the Tradition Folk Music. Remember, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. Mm-hmm.